0: But you're doing a good job because you're getting all the facts out there. (laughs) That's what I love about Gospel Tangents because you talk about you're doing what I wish our LDS intellectuals would do. And that is letting people judge for themselves Mm -hmm. and exploring a variety of interpretations.
1: Welcome to Gospel Tangents, the best source for Mormon history, science, and theology. I'm Rick Bennett. Jonathan Neville is a big believer in a Big Ten kind of Book of Mormon beliefs. Part of that's because he's probably been shut out of the Book of Mormon Central Group, but we're, but he also believes that we shouldn't kick people out of the church who believe the Book of Mormon is not
0: historical. It's going to be a fun conversation. You won't want to miss it. Check it out. Mm-hmm. But it, it all comes back to this Mesoamerican thing. because. I think once the the scholars convinced people that Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith were wrong about the Hill Cumorah, that was like a chink in the armor. They could be wrong about anything else, they said. If they were wrong about something they said was a fact, then they could be wrong about anything else. And so they could be wrong about the translation. I don't know if you know, Skousen recently published a thing in The Interpreter about how now he's saying that Oliver Cowdery deliberately misled everybody about the translation. Royal Skousen. Royal Skousen. And I couldn't disagree more. But I understand why he says that, because the Mesoamerican thing opened the door to questioning everything Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery taught. And, and you end up with, well, what's left? And, and everybody just kind of says, well, as long as you believe in Christ, that's all that matters. you know. But come on. I mean, the, when it gets down to it, the only evidence that we have of the restoration of the priesthood is from Oliver Cowdery. Joseph Smith talked about it, but he didn't talk about the event. And, and yet they're saying Oliver Cowdery was wrong about the Kimura, you know? So I think that I, what I advocate is not anybody agree with anything that I say. I advocate, let's get all the facts out, and then let's look at the different interpretations of the facts. You go all the way from Dan Vogel and Tom Murphy through Jack Welch, John Sorensen, Dan Peterson, then over here you have Rod Meldrum and Wayne May on the geography issue, or me on the translation or whatever. Let's just put all of them out, and let's get rid of this citation cartel that censors things they don't like. You know, I mean, the, the Interpreter to me is an appalling journal. It shouldn't even be considered an academic journal. How do you read it? <laughs> well, I, I have a blog called The Interpreter Peer Reviewed. Where once in a while, someone will send me an article, you got to deal with this, so I read it, and I, okay. And then I do my, what I would do is a peer review. And I mean, I understand it's, it's more of a peer approval process that it goes through with those guys, because everybody on their peer review process has already drinks the Kool-Aid, you know? I mean, they, they, don't, they don't consider an outside perspective. And I know, because I've talked with them, you know, I, I know how they are. And you can read it in their journals, and they get upset that I even talk about it. Dan Peterson freaks out. I mean, he's in Dan Peterson's own blog that he does on his Pathos, whatever. Mm-hmm. He's referred to me several times and has wants everybody to read this critical web page. There's a page that's critical of me all the time. And I, at first, I thought, well, I should respond to that, but then I read it. It's so ludicrous. I feel like if if people can't discern fact from, you know, sophistry then that's on them. I'm not gonna spend all my time tamping down all the sophistry going around. I just feel like people need to present the facts. If the interpreter, the name interpreter kinda tells it all because they feel like they are the credentialed class, they are the ones that should, they've been hired by the prophets to guide the rest of us, that kind of stuff, which they've said. And the name interpreter alone, is a non-starter because they're trying to interpret the scriptures for us. I think the scriptures were given to people, ordinary people, that we can understand and interpret for ourselves. We don't need some scholars interpreting it for us. And having the, the advantage of using the Bible and Jonathan Edwards to understand the Book of Mormon is helpful, but it's not essential. But as soon as we say that we know better than the prophets, it's, you know, the gig is up, in my opinion. That's why I think so many people are in these faith crises. Because they say, our BYU teachers are telling us the prophets are wrong about this. But they are right about this. And the only way we know when they're right and when they're wrong is when our intellectuals tell us. You know, think about it. That's, how, that's the reality. And, you know, I th- to me... I d- are you saying BYU is too liberal? Is that what you're saying? No, no. I'm saying BYU is first of all, BYU is not an entity. I mean, there's a variety of opinions at BYU, but they're not all expressed. And that's where my problem is. I think the, the church history department has been better. You know, years ago they said, all right, you guys can't teach Mesoamerica anymore. If you remember that, um, what's, what's his name? Uh, Dan Peterson's buddy, Hamblin. Hamblin wrote an article about how outraged he was. They're destroying Book of Mormon studies and all that because they wouldn't let him teach Mesoamerica. And I thought if, if they had been actual scholars, speaking of Dan Peterson and Hamblin, they would have welcomed that because it would have welcomed alternative perspectives. But instead, they were so mired in Mesoamerica, that's all they could see. It's like one of them down there, I won't mention his name, he said he can't unsee Mesoamerica when he reads the Book of Mormon. And that's because He'll read you know a narrow strip of mountainous wilderness in it or whatever. They don't read the text. they read their interpretation of the text. So I think the BOU administration has done the best job they can with trying to level the playing field and say, look, we're not going to impose any private opinions on our students. But what's happened is they that's kind of morphed into this abstract map that Tyler Griffin and those guys teach, and it's, it imposes, it, it, it imprints the Mesoamerican thing on the students' minds. Because like you, you can't unsee the hourglass anymore. You can't conceive of a different, you know, everybody's looking for an hourglass in Malaysia or whatever because of what they've been taught at BYU. Where I'm saying, don't even say it, it has to be an hourglass. An hourglass is among the interpretations. and Because uh, there's no hourglass in Heartland. <laughs> there, well, there is, if you look at it. From the way I said, with the north, land north and land southward being different times at different places, right. then there is obviously a narrow neck that leads to one and the other. But it's not the same all the way through.
1: Where is it? Where's the narrow neck?
0: Well, there's several of them. <laughs> <laughs> if, and, just, and Wayne and I disagree about that, too. <laughs> but there's, here, Here's my, my, my bottom line on what the prophets have said. They've always said Camorra's in New York, and they've always said we don't know where the other events took place. And that is the perfect response. And that's because some guy um, did an anthology. He said there are over a million mound settlements in in North America. Today, there's about 100,000 that still exist. If you look at every one of those, there are potential Book of Mormon sites. And on top of that, you have this idea of the narrow neck of land, just like George Washington had one on the Hudson River. There are literally hundreds of narrow necks of land. If you look at all the river systems, are small necks that connect a land northward okay. to land southward. So you can't. That's so why. So there's Wayne, not
1: one. There's many. There's not
0: one. There's many. There's. It could be. That's why Wayne and I disagree on on a narrow neck that makes sense to us, and I'm fine with that. I'm happy to have alternative ideas, because I think the only I think the only intellectually honest way to approach this, is to spell out what the facts are of church history and what the text actually says and then develop alternative interpretations and not say this is the only one that's right. The reason I say Camaro is an exception is because that's one of the historical facts. Albert Cowdery said it was a fact and the prophets have all said it. No single prophet or apostle has ever disagreed with that. And so most of them won't talk about it anymore. You know, they just, they want to pretend, one of the apostles told us there's no church department of geography. Stop talking about it, basically. And that's a legitimate point. On the other hand, when the, the orthodox geography is what they're teaching at BYU and CES, which is this hourglass shape that's uh, you know hypothetical, it's, it's otherworldly, basically. Um, to me, that's telling everybody the Book of Mormon is fiction. And that's why I think it's a serious See, but shape. I
1: don't even think Mezzo looks like an hourglass.
0: Well, it doesn't. But that's why they say the north is east, and you know, Orson said the directions are based on where they landed. And since they landed here, that that became their west. And well, we would, you know, that stuff. And I, I know some of them have more fine details of they analyzed north and south. But it's all based in Central America because of the times and seasons articles. But I say, let's stick with what the prophets taught. They were wise in saying we can't. We don't know where other things took place, but we know where Cumorah is. And if your interpretation of Book of Mormon Geography puts Cumorah somewhere else, then spell out, I disagree with Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery and Wilford Woodruff and Marion G. Romney and everybody else. Let's put that up front so everybody that reads your stuff knows what your position is. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to use this euphemism that, well, you know, it was their own opinion and stuff. Let's spell out what they taught. That's why on one of my blogs I have my BYU packet on know, <laughs> which atomizes most of these. I should supplement it with all of them, but people, I, I don't care what anybody believes. In fact, let me end with this because then it's probably time. I don't even care if people believe the Book of Mormon is a literal history. I don't think that's essential to salvation. I think what, what we have to agree on Zion is a big tent, right? There's stakes all over, every stake is different. Every individual is different. What unites us is our devotion to Christ and our desire to build Zion, right? And short of that, we can all believe whatever we want. But what I don't want to have happen, and it's happened, I could give you plenty of anecdotes of this. I don't want people abandoning the ship Zion because they lose faith either in the Mesoamerican or the abstract map that Tyler Griffin's teaching. And kids do. They look at that and they say, the Mesoamerican doesn't make any sense. And, and the prophets taught this anyway, so why are we saying they were wrong? And related to that is the translation. You know, if people want to believe... It, so some, you'd
1: be totally fine with somebody that said that the Book of Mormon's a ahistorical, sure. but I love the spiritual message. That's right. That's fine with me. Hmm.
0: And, and here's... I've, I've talked about this a lot, but I don't know if my perspective has gotten through. Moroni 10, 3-5, talks about, read this... Ask the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost manifests the truth to you, right? Everybody interprets that as meaning you have to have a spiritual witness. But that's not what Moroni said. The next few verses, he warns us against thinking that. He says, there's lots of different ways the Holy Ghost works. And he talks about the gifts of the Spirit. One of those was the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge. Those are not the same as a spiritual impression, Right? And those are gifts of the Spirit. Some people have a gift of knowledge where they can learn things and that's how they learn the truth is through this gift of knowledge. Others have a gift of wisdom which is kind of a nuance but it's related to that. Others have you know, a gift of healing or whatever. Someone could, could have experienced a gift of healing like these evangelicals. They could experience a gift of healing and I've talked to some that have had miraculous healings. And that's their testimony to them from the Holy Ghost as far as I'm concerned. It's not... You know, I read the Book of Mormon, I get a warm feeling. Some people have that. And it, it, more than I says, some people have a gift of great faith. That's what that warm feeling is. But I've talked to people, sincere people who have read the Book of Mormon, they do not get that response when they pray mm-hmm. about it. But that's because they have a different spiritual gift. And we're not, we're not opening the door to these other spiritual gifts for people who have them. And that's why I think the heartland is so crucial. Because if, you, if you're a person that has a gift of knowledge, you need to have access to the knowledge in order to, for that gift to become effective. And part of that knowledge is the actual church history and what did Joseph and Oliver actually teach. It has to do with the translation and the geography both. And and so I'm, I've been advocating to Book Mormon Central, you know, the people that run it for years. Look, let's spell out all the facts and then have different alternative working hypotheses, and they just refuse to do it. So, But you're doing a good job because you're getting all the facts out there. <laughs> That's what I love about Gospel Tangents, because you talk about, you're doing what I wish our LDS intellectuals would do, and that is letting people judge for themselves mm-hmm. and exploring a variety of interpretations. My only bottom line is if we don't agree with or accept what the prophets taught, then what are we doing? doesn't make any... Why even talk about the Book of Mormon if we think Joseph and Oliver were wrong? Because we shouldn't, certainly shouldn't limit well,
1: it. Well, a, a person who believes it's ahistorical would believe Joseph and Oliver were wrong.
0: Yeah, totally. So, w- well, are w- you condemning them? No, I'm not. No, I just said I'm happy with people believing whatever they mm-hmm. want. And uh, first of all, I don't condemn even people who hate the church. That's their issue. I'm saying in order for us to be united as a church... The only things that matter is our devotion to Christ and establishing Zion. Everything short of that, people can believe whatever they want. i I mentioned in a blog recently, I have a friend who's been a mission president twice who doesn't believe the Book of Mormon is a real history. Hmm. And, and he's, he's awesome. He's done a lot for the church. I mean, he sees miracles. He says, I can't explain it all. But I don't. I think it was 19th century fiction. But I still believe in the church and what we're trying to accomplish and he's still devoted to Christ. Oh, wow, that's and, interesting. Yeah, and there's lots of people like that. And I don't blame them. I, I, frankly, if it wasn't for the heartland, I'd probably be in that camp too. Because the Mesoamerican thing is just preposterous to me at this point. That doesn't mean I condemn anybody who believes it. I'm fine for people to believe it if they want. But it's, it, I talked to a, a well-known general authority whose brother left the church over this because he's a Mesoamerican expert He'd written textbooks on, on Mesoamerica and stuff. He's an anthropologist. He said, as long as the church is teaching that, it can't be true. Because that, there's nothing in Mayan culture that has anything to do with the Book of Mormon. And when you read what Brant Gardner or John Sorensen, these guys say about the Mayans, the Mayan culture, <laughs> it's, I mean, I see where they're coming from because they're trying to confirm their biases. But the things they talk about are ubiquitous to all human civilizations. You know, you could you could go to China, Africa, you find those similar kind of things in every human civilization. That's why it's in the Book of Mormon. But that doesn't mean any civilization that has those characteristics is where the Nephites were. It's just a logical fallacy and it's, it's such a blatant, obvious logical fallacy. And yet it keeps perpetuating itself because their peer reviewers are all the like mind and they keep saying, Yeah, you're confirming our bias, go, you know. So I'm just hopeful that we get to the point where the intellectuals in the church are honest enough to spell out all the facts. So we don't get a book like the Saints book that just censors Gomorrah. We don't get um, a lot of these church materials that are taking a point of view and implicitly condemning alternative points of view. And especially, I'm opposed to points of view that try to tell us the prophets were wrong, so. I don't know what more I can say. All right, well,
1: <laughs> we've definitely talked a lot. So. Yeah, probably too much. Yeah, no, that's good. So we, we just have to have another conversation okay. in a few months. So.
0: Yeah, the translation is, is a fascinating topic. Yeah. But you know, I'm really sincere. I've had Heartlanders complain to me that I'm too nice to the Mesoamerican people. <laughs> Seriously, I, I, they email me, tell me in person. And I say, look, they're brothers and sisters in the gospel. And I, I even did a graphic where I showed people going into the temple in one of these open houses and I had a little thing above it. I said these guys believe Mezo, these guys believe Heartland, these guys believe it's fiction. And they're all going to the temple. They're all brothers and sisters dressed the same. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. So I, you can believe anything you want. I don't care. But I'm just saying for people like me who look for knowledge, I like the knowledge side of it. I like to trust but verify. You know, Obviously I have lots of spiritual experiences too, but people in other religions also have spiritual experiences. So to me, a spiritual confirmation is not that meaningful, frankly. I think it has to be accompanied. That's why Joseph Smith talked about evidence of its divine authenticity. I've talked, you know, I've lived around the world, and I've talked to people in all different religions. They can all give you examples of how God intervened in their life or directed them or gave them confirmation of their beliefs. I mean, that's a ubiquitous thing for anybody who desires to know God. So it's to me, it's not evidence of the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon by itself. It is if you if that's the gift you have. But I think there also is this other the linguistics and the geography anthropology. That's all also part of it for some people like me. It's important. Mm-hmm. So that's why I don't condemn anybody. I don't. Dan Vogel's great, you know, whatever. And the only one I, I think the one that if I had to condemn someone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's not the going to anybody. No. <laughs> but I, there are some critics, speaking of like John Dillon in particular, who are doing nothing to improve society and establish Zion. And, and the, the fallacy of his whole point is he's in this list of facts, he's taking one interpretation saying this is the only interpretation you should accept. And I think that's just... it's a a goofy approach but it's also kind of sinister because people who don't know all the facts fall for that and and I'm fine with someone who wants to interpret the way John does but I think if they're intellectually honest they should interpret or at least be aware of all the alternative interpretations then you look at the fruits Christ said you know by the fruits you shall know them what's the fruits of the gospel of the church today you've got the pathway program and the missionary pathway missionary right now and so all around the world, people are gaining an education through Pathway. You have the whole um, self-reliance program that's improving people's lives all around the world. And, and I could go on and on. I have a whole blog about Zion. And it's establishing Zion that's the most important thing going on in the world right now. And that's the part of the gathering of Israel is to establish Zion. And people like John DeLinn aren't helping that at all. They're, t- they're tearing it down. And and he's, he's very clever because... He's taking common human um, questions and weaknesses and failures and attributing them to the church. Where it has nothing to do with the church. It has to do with human nature and our failures and faults and the gap between our aspirations and reality and all that stuff. And he's manipulating that to blame the church for it. But you could go any society in the world and find those same problems. And so I, I have a little bit of an agenda with him that I think he's... He's really kind of um, maybe he started off good you know, good intentioned or whatever, maybe he's trying to justify his excommunication, I don't know. But people who fall for what he's doing are the ones that are uneducated. And I, I really think that the intellectuals in the church owe it to the church members to let's lay out all the facts and not adhere to one interpretation. So Well oh, great.
1: Okay. All right. Well, Jonathan Neville, thank you so much Ho- for. Hopefully, for you being can here.
0: edit out most of that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. We well, appreciate you well, being here on Gospel It's Been fun Tunes. talking
0: with you. Yep.
1: Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Mm-hmm. See you next time. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Heartland expert Jonathan Neville. Jonathan, thank you for sitting down with me and spending so much time with me. Um, we'll definitely have to get back together and talk about Jonathan Edwards. Um, And so, you know, check out his book, like Between These Hills, Moroni's America. He's got a lot of them, plus the Jonathan Edwards book, which I need to uh, check out. So anyway, thanks again, Jonathan. In our next conversation, I'm excited to have a prophet and prophetess on the show for the first time. So we'll have a prophetess. That will be great. They They are leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ in Christian Fellowship. And one of the things that they like to say is that they have beliefs that will offend everyone. <laughs> we have something that will offend everybody. <laughs> can, you, can you go into more detail on that?
0: Well, yeah, sure. So, for example, we don't believe that you have to be a polygamist to get into heaven or to get to the highest degree of the celestial kingdom. But if, if you
1: are a polygamist family, you're welcome to worship with
0: us. And then also, if you, you don't have to be homosexual— but if you are, you're welcome to worship with us. And those are two groups, generally, they don't
1: meet eye to eye for various reasons you know. if you'd like to hear the entire interview uncut please subscribe to patreon.com slash gospel tangents for just five dollars a month patreon is spelled patreo dot com slash gospel tangents if you'd like to watch the entire video you can subscribe at youtube patreon or on my website at gospel and click the yellow subscribe button for just eight dollars a month PDF transcripts are just $10 a month, and you can get those on patreon.com gospeltangents gospel tangents or on my website. I'll send those to you as soon as I've finished completing it. If you'd like to get a paperback and PDF, just subscribe for $20 a month at either Patreon or on my website. Individual paperbacks are available at amazon.com. Just do a search for a gospel tangents interview, and you can find all of our past interviews there. Show your gospel tangents pride by purchasing a t-shirt on our website at gospeltangents.com/shop. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts at tinyurl.com/gospeltangents. You can get our latest updates by friending me at Facebook or you can also follow our page at facebook.com/gospeltangents. Become an insider and you can see the newest videos. Follow us on Twitter at gospeltangents Click here to subscribe, here for a transcript, and over here we've got some of our great videos. Thanks again.